Today's daf is daf test. We're holding about 20 lines from the bottom on Chesamet Beis. Uh, Amarova. So Rava sets up the following din. He says, Ruvain Shemachar Let's say Ruvain had a number of fields and at one time he sold fields of different qualities. He had Idis, he had Benus, Ziburis, and at one time he sells everything over to Shimon. Now, the fact that he sent everything over, sold everything at, uh, at one time and never left anything behind means technically the lien transfers over onto all the lands at the same time. When we learned that yesterday, that if you sell at one time, then the lien goes equally over to all the properties. Now, what happened over here, we're we going to be dealing with the, the situation that there's a second buyer. So, so Reuben sold it to Shimon, and Shimon sells one of his properties to Levi. Now, we're going to see that it happens to be that the one property that he sold to Levi was Bainanis, was the quality of land that a Balchov is Gova from, a creditor is Gova from. So what happens in this case? So says Rava, uh, uh, says, And he sold one field to Levi, and now the creditor of Reuven comes, he can pick whichever one he wants to choose from. If he wants to go after Shimon, he can collect the debt that is owed to him from Shimon. If he wants to go after Levi, he can collect the debt whichever owed for him because he has a lien on the properties. Mamela can collect from each one. Now the one is going to uh, create some stipulations here that's not as simple as it seems. Below Amran Ella de Zavan so the first thing, it, it's only true, is if uh, Levi purchased from Shimon the Bainanis, because the primary liability, the primary lien on the property for the Balchog is from Bainanis. Now Rashi, the Machlok is Rashi and the Rosh, but Rashi learns that a Balchog, if he wants, can take Zaburis. He doesn't have to take Bainanis. If he wants, he can agree to take Zaburis too. So therefore, but, but Bainanis is the primary uh, place. He can't, go, he can't say, I want higher, but he can say, I want that, or I, can, I want lower. Mimela, since there's a lien on Bainanis, so he can take the Bainanis from, uh, from, 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 from Levi, or he could take Ziburis from uh, Shimon if he wants. Now, says the Gemara like this. Now, that's true if he purchased Bainanis. What happens if on purpose, what he did was, he on purpose only bought Ziburis or Idis, leaving the Bainanis by, by Shimon. So here the Gemara says that we cut him a break. We say is that the fact is, we say the fact that he left the Bainanis by Ruvain is specifically for this reason. He, he, le- about by, he left the Bainus by Shimon. The fact that Levi left the Bainus by Shimon is for this particular reason. That in case there'll be a Balchov, he'll take it from Shimon. Shimon and protect himself with it. That's the shot over here. So when it says, Ziburis, lo. Then the Balchov cannot go to either one. He has to go to Shimon. He can't come to Levi. The Amar lay because Levi can say, Lahachi Daiki Vizavna Idis Ziburis. That's the reason why I specifically bought Idis and Ziburis 
That's land that's not fit for you, and therefore, uh, and therefore you can't come to me. Now, Tozu says it's not exactly so meduyik. The real reason why Levi is protected over here is not really because that's why I left you, or because I left you the bainers over there. That's not the real reason, says Tosos. He says, really, the real reason is that the, that, that, um, Levi has the koach of what he purchased from Shimon. It means he gets the same koach like we learned yesterday. When you purchase from someone, you get the strength of what someone has. So, therefore, just as if, when, when Shimon, when he purchased from Shimon, what co- when, when, what koach did Shimon have? If the Baal Chol would come to Shimon, the Shimon's only option would be is to give him bainunis. He would have to give bainunis. So therefore, the right that Levi has to send the Baal Chol back to Shimon, he's saying is because I purchased from you the right that the bainunis would go to the Baal Chol. That's I didn't take the bainunis. That the right I had is the Baal Chov comes, he has a right to collect Bainanis. I left that by you. You have to give him the Bainanis. That Tosa says it's a, that's the, that's the Swara over here, because we saw that a Baal Chov can collect from Ziburas too. Right? But the point over here is, is that since you had the option to give him the Bainanis, when I purchased from you, I purchased the right that he still has that option to collect from the Bainanis. That's the Tosa just a little, little different Swara. Anyway, so saying more like this. Uh, now, now there is a situation. Let's say he bought Bainanis. So now you say, well, if he bought Bainanis, then what should happen? If Levi bought Bainanis, he doesn't have a right to say, go take from Shimon. Depends, says the Gemara. It says also Namilo Amran. We also don't say that he can collect from either one in uh, unless. What? Unless there wasn't an equal amount of Bainanis left by Shimon. But if Levi purchased Bainanis calculating that I'm still leaving the amount that is necessary to cover the debt by, uh, by Shimon, Levi can still say that the reason why it was done like this is because to protect myself. The same way as if you would have come to you, you could have determined you could take this piece of bainanis or you could have taken that piece of bainanis. I have the right to say he should take your piece of bainanis when I purchase the other piece of bainanis from you. If you do not leave an equal amount of bainanis to cover the chov, then Taka Shimon can come, then Reuben can come, then the Balchov of Reuben can come after Levi. Right, the law matzi amalek, because then he wouldn't be able to say nachdil chamakum legabi shimon. I left you an amount to collect from by shimon. Aval shir bainanis the gavase, but if you left an equal amount of bainanis that would suffice to cover the expense of the chov, so gabi shimon by shimon, so lo gabi mine, then he could push him back to shimon and shimon and the chov b'achov has the right to go to Levi. All right, the matzi amalek, because you can tell him nachdil chamakum legavasimena. All right, nudin. There is a halacha in the times of, of the of the of the uh, Gemara. There was no such thing as, as as lawyers. You had to fight your own case. You cannot say if, if you come to fight. If somebody comes to you and starts claiming against you, you have a right to say "Lav Bal Devarim Didiat." Who are you? The only person you has a right to come and claim against you if you are the litigant. If you're the litigant, you're a primary part uh, a part of the case, then you can claim. But you can't make any tainas or defend against tainas if you are not the uh, one of the litigants involved. 
Now, what happens like this? There's a volume. Let's say Ruvain sold the property to Shimon Bachrayus. Bachrayus means that he, he's underwrited his insurance. If something happens to the land of Shimon, Shimon has the right to go back to Ruvain. Right? Now, the Balchov comes and starts claiming against Shimon that the property that he had, that he purchased from Ruvain, belongs to to the uh, the Balchov or, or was stolen property. But the claim is being made against Shimon about the property that he has from Ruvain. So what Abayah says is that Ruvain can come and help defend. Ruvain can come and help defend on behalf of of Shimon. Why? Because if anything happens to that property, Shimon has to goes back to Reuben. Reuben has to underwrite. He is insured it. And that makes him considered as if he is one of the Baal Devarim, one of the litigants. So therefore you cannot say, you get out of here. You already sold the land. You have no claim. You can't do that in the, in the case where it was sold with Achrayas, with, 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 uh, with insurance. So Amar Abay, Reuben Shemachar Sadel is Shimon Ba'achrayis. If Reuben sold the field to Shimon with with insurance, Va'asa Balchov and Balchov, the Balchov comes of Reuben's Balchov. The Tarav B'Shimon is trying to seize it, take it away from Shimon. Dinahu, the, it's legal, it's legally plausible to Azur Reuben that Reuben should go umishtayed dinah ba'aday and 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 fight the case. On behalf of Shimon with the Balchov. The Balchov cannot say, Who are you? You are no longer my litigant. I'm dealing with Shimon. He can't say that to him. Why? Because Reuven can say to the Balchov, If you take it away from Shimon, he comes back to me, and therefore I am considered to be a litigant. Now, impl- Im- implied in this would be, that what if Shimon purchased the land without insurance? If Shimon purchased the land without insurance, then Ruvain would not be able to come and fight with, uh, with, with the Balchov. That's the first Lushan. Ika de Amri, the, uh, the, the, the alternative version disagrees with that. That even if Reuven sold the land to Shimon with specific clause that says that if it gets seized from you, then I do not have to uh, make a restitution or, 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 or compensate you for the seizure. That I, that why, even in that case, Ruvain can defend on behalf of Shimon. Why? He says, because in, even if Shimon cannot come back and claim against me, but Shimon is going to not be too happy with me. I mean, Shimon is going to have, clump, uh, he's going to, he's going to claim that I, I did something wrong to him and it's going to, he's going to, he's going to affect my reputation. He's going to be upset at me and he's going to say bad things about me. That is enough to do what? To make me considered like a litigant, uh, and therefore I can, I can defend on behalf of Shimon. That's the Ikeda Amri. So Ikeda Amri, 
that uh uh nami that even if it wasn't sold with uh insurance to Amar Lay because the Ruven can say Lo Nichali that I don't consider it benefit to me to that Shiva should have complaints against me. I don't want someone walking around with complaints against me. And that suffices to make me considered a litigant that is affecting me directly and I am and I'm able to defend on behalf. In the very least, as Rashi says, that if you have a tinus bari, if you feel that somebody's making a claim that he's not a valid claim, you can make him take an oath. Now, Shimon wouldn't be able to do that because Shimon doesn't know for sure. Ruvain knows for sure if he feels that it was compensated before or whatever it is. So even if I don't have documentation for it, but if I know that you're lying, I can say swear and I'm a chai, and I can force you to take a swear before you're able to... No, and, and many people will not be willing to... Swear to, to, to swear and, and therefore we're protecting. Okay. I'm a rabbi. So we have again, Reuven sold the field to Shimon and it was not underwritten. It was not insured. Now the case is like this. The case is, there is a very important clause. We've learned it, a, a concept of it. It's called the Misha Parah. A Misha Parah is when you've given your word to do something like, I'm going to sell this to you, I agree, I'm going to do it. Even if the transaction has not yet been executed, that there's a din that if you don't, if you back out, so there's considered to be a very severe penalty in, in Shemaim, it's a curse. The one who punished the Dor HaMabal, the Dor HaFloga, he should punish the person that's not Omid Bidiburu, the person that does not stand by his word. So let's say what happened over here was that uh, Ruvain has a property, and Shimon comes to purchase it. And Reuven says, I'll sell it to you without insurance. Now, obviously, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Right? And usually, it's going to be at a very discounted rate. Because if you know that somebody's willing to sell you, you know, it's the guy on the street, you know, that's trying to sell you something, uh, you know, say, so, yeah, so the point is that, so Shimon has agreed to purchase this property without insurance. So they're at agreed. The, the agreement has gone, uh, now, he, Shimon did not yet time, have time to do, to be machzik, to do the Akinian, to have a take, a, do a chazaka on the land. Let's go see what exactly how you make a chazaka to, to acquire the land. And then Shimon hears that there's rumors that creditors are coming after this land, that, that people are tumbling, people are laying claim on it. So obviously, what does he want to do? He wants to back out. The question is, is he morally, it's not a legal issue per se, but morally, ethically, is he allowed to back out or not? Right? He hasn't had yet. There's no, he's not made the chazaka yet, right? So it says more like this. The Yotsu Alea Asikin, Ororin, Ororin, there were people, claimants coming and saying, Shalanahi. Now they haven't, there's no actual proof yet. All he knows is people are coming and tumbling. He doesn't know 100% for sure, but they're tumbling. Right? Before he was able to do the, make the, uh, the Chazoka. There's nothing wrong ethically from backing out as long as he had not yet made the Kenyan. But once he made the Kenyan, now bear in mind, he hasn't given the money yet. All he did was, 
he made the Kenyan, he did the physical act that makes him the owner, so then, he cannot back out and say, listen, I haven't given you the money yet, sorry, I'm not doing it. He cannot do it anymore. Why? My time. Well, what's the reason? To Amalei, because Reuven has a right to say to him, he said, what do you think? I sold you the land without a Christ, because this was a potential of what could happen over here. Christ said the Katri Savart the Kibelt. You were aware that this was a literally it means a a, a bag of knots, meaning like you know like an, a a black box. You have no idea what's inside. You knew that there are chances, there's 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 the risks involved over here that people might make claims against it. That's why obviously it was a better deal and was a cheaper you made the Kenyan. Now you you'll have to defend the claims against you. I, I'm still claiming that I didn't that that's not a, it's not real. If I know for sure that it's real, that really it's not my land, or someone else has a claiming that it's their land, I'm not allowed to do that to you. I'm claiming that's not what happened. I'm claiming it's false. But the bottom line is you're gonna to have to defend it. And you can't back out and not give me the money. So Chais the country, like a bag of knots, uh, an, an empty bag, right? Sakshura Male Ruach, Rashi says. Savart the Kibelt, you understood and you accepted. Now, what exactly, when is it considered to be a Chazaka that's the point of no return? So, Mechidaish Amitri. He gives one of the, uh, one of the examples. They used to have around each field, there used to be a, a mound of earth that surrounded the, uh, the field to show that the property, where the property lines are. So when a person walks around and he, uh, he, he, he firms down the boundaries, he steps on the ba- around the edge of the outside of the boundaries to strengthen the boundaries. That's called taking possession. And at that point, you wouldn't be able to, uh, to back out. But Davka Shalobach Christ, says the Gemara, this only is true if there was sold without a chryas, without uh, insurance. But if the sale was done with insurance, mm-hmm. now what it seems to be saying is that even though I made a chazaka, I don't have to give you the money. Because I can say, listen, the bottom line, I'm just saving, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a shortcut. Because if I give you the money, it gets taken away from me, and then you've got to give me back the money. So instead of going that route, then what? I'm going to keep my money, and we're just going to negate the sale. So that's the first lotion. What? A bachrayus loy means you can be chayzer, but with, with a, without a chrayus you can be chayzer without a chazaka. So with a chrayus, no. I, uh, uh, no, you'll see no. And some say no, that even with a Christ, you're not allowed to be chozer if you made the chazaka. Why would you not be allowed to be chozer if you made the chazaka, even if it's with a Christ? Because it's true you have a Christ, but therefore that doesn't mean for sure that the people, let the people come and challenge. I don't consider the challenge to be a valid challenge. What are you going to say? I'm going to save you having to pay me back the money. I don't believe I'm going to have to pay you back the money because the claim they're making is, 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 is a, it's a false claim. So if, when you show me, what's called a star tirfa. Star tirfa means when your person makes a claim against you, they go to base and base and give them a document that allows you to seize. Show me the, the document of seizure that Bastin wrote for this fellow that allows him legally to take it away from you. 
then I'll pay you. But to say, I'm going to save you a shortcut from having to pay me and I'm just going to hold back on my money, you don't have a right to do. First, show me that document of seizure that gives them the right to claim it and then I'll pay you back the money. So even if it was done with a flyers, if you made a chazaka, you need to pay me. Because I believe that this is a bogus claim and, 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 I, and, and, I, and you can't back out on what you did. So one says like this, Afilabachrayas nami to Amar Lei because Reuven can say to Shimon, Achvili Tirpacho, show me that star Tirpa, show me that document of seizure that was given to you that was gonna, they're going to take away your land, but Shalom Lach, and then I'll pay you. But until you can show me that, you don't have a right to hold back the money on me because it's a bogus claim, it's not a real claim, I don't believe that you're going to lose the land. Okay. Now, Ravuna is going back to yesterday's daf. Yesterday's daf we started off with seems to be a contradiction in the psukim as what you, how do you pay damages? On one hand, you have a positive that says Mesav Sadeya Meitav Karmo Yeshalem. So it means that you have to give the best quality of land. The other positive says Kesev Yashiv Lebalov. It means you have to pay money. We're going to see that Yashiv, we said even you can give Subin. We're going to ask that in a moment. But right now we're just dealing with the Psukim. One says you give Meitav Karka and one says you give Kesev. So says Ravuna. So uh, Ravuna Amar, O Kesef, O Meitav. It's not a contradiction. The Torah is telling you there's two equally powerful ways of compensating someone for the damages you create. Either Meitav, you give the best quality property, and if you, or you have the other option is what? Give Kesef. But one or the other, that, that's sufficient. So Mora says like this, from the price that we had yesterday. The price to learn Kesev Yoshev Lebalov is much, you don't have to give money. You can even give Yoshev is Lerabos, Shavet Kesev Kekesev, you can even give Subin. Subin means what? Bran. It's like you can give like animal food. You can give like, you know, they said paint pennies. You can give you can give anything that has value. So Lachora, that's that seems to contradict what Rav Huna said. Yesterday we talked ahead the opinion of uh, which Ramora was it? Rabbi Yeshua. Whatever you pay. Uh, where was the name? We had the opinion that holds that anything that's movable is considered like meta because you, can, you can't sell it here you can sell it somewhere else and that's how they explained it so everything is considered like meta if it's movable and in Kark it has to actually be meta but that's not what Ravuna said Ravuna said that it has to either be the best property or what does it have to be? Yes. Kesev either Bryson says it doesn't have to be Kesev it says Yoshiv the Pesach says Kesev Yoshiv what do you mean Yoshiv Lebalov so you restate reinstate to the owner anything of value the rabbi you can even pay in bran. So how are you going to reconcile that with the with, with your with your, what you hold? That has to be kesev or meitav. So why is it even subin? So I'm going to answer. The case we're talking about over here, when it says when you can pay any shavah kesev, is when the guy does not have land or money. So the guy doesn't have land or money. So the Torah is saying it's okay to compensate even with shavah kesev, something that's a value of money, even even subin, even brand. But if a guy has either kesev or karka, then what? He can't give the Shavah Kesef. Sigmarah says, either lay slay. If he doesn't have anything, Pshita, what, I need a pastor to tell me that? The guy doesn't have land, he doesn't have money, that he should be able to pay back of something of value. That seems to be obvious. What's the novelty in that? Sigmarah says, there is a novelty, because you might have thought what the guy has to do is that, let's say he has, uh, he has bran. 
He has $10,000 worth of bread. Why should the Nizak have to take $10,000 worth of bread? Make the Mazik go sell the $10,000 of bread and pay $10,000 for it. But Kamash Malan, the Pazik saying, if he doesn't have, this is the way Rav is explaining the Pazik, if he doesn't have Kesev, if he doesn't have Karka, we don't make the Mazik sell the Shavak Kesev. He's allowed to pay back in the Shavak Kesev. That's the way he explains it. So therefore, Mazik is saying, well, you might have said, Amrin and Lay, we tell the Mazik, Zil Tarach, you go and, ex- and, and exert yourself and zavin and sell the Shavak Kesev, Eisler Kesev, go bring money for the Nizah, Kamash Malan, that you don't have to do it. So we have here a Machlokas Amoroyim, uh, how to explain the Psukim over here, according to the opinion of yesterday, I think it's Rav Huna of Yeshua, I don't remember, I think that's what the opinion was, but he said that the Pasuk is that anything Metaltel, even Subin, is equal to Meitav, so you can either give Meitav Karka, or you could give anything that's Metaltel has the same uh, capacity, the same, it's equivalent to Meitav of Karka. And you have over here today, Ravuna says no, the only thing that's equivalent to the t- quality, high quality land is actual Kesev. When can you pay, if it's Shavat Kesev, only what? Only if the Mazik does not have Karka or Kesev is he allowed to pay Shavat Kesev. That's the Machlok. Okay. Now, upon hearing the statement of Rav Huna, Rav Asi makes his own statement. Amar Rav Asi, Ksafin Arayen Kakarko. Money is like land. Now, the problem is, Rav Asi's statement seems to be very similar to the statement that was made by... So what is he saying that's different? He should have just said, the, 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 when they, the editors of the Gemara, they should have recorded, So what exactly is Rav Asi saying that is different than what Rav Huna was saying? So Gemara says, So what halacha, what is he saying different than what we said before? So if he's just telling us that Kesev is considered like Meitav, Dafka Kesev, not Shavak Kesev, so then Hainu Ravuna, then he said no different than what Ravuna said. So Ella says the he's talking about something completely different. What is he talking about? He's talking about the following thing. Let's say a father dies and he left a Yerusha, right? $10,000 in land and $10,000 in cash. Now, at this point, it hasn't been divided up. So, if it hasn't been divided up, each brother has a legal claim to 50% of both. If a Baal Chov shows up now, a Baal Chov is only allowed to take uh, land. He can't, he can't claim from the, from, the, from the cash. But if he shows up now and he grabs... Uh, the uh, let's say he takes five thousand dollars uh, of the land. There's no question. How is that going to be allocated between the two brothers? Fifty-fifty, meaning each brother is going to have to say that half of what he took is on my chesh, but I'm responsible for. Right? That's before they divide it up. Now, what happens if they divide it already? And the way they agree to divide is one brother, let's say, a businessman, the other one's in real estate. So they said like this, listen, it's $10,000 and 10000 You take the land, I'll take the cash. They divide it already. Comes along the Baal Chov, and he seizes $5,000 of the brother that took the land. 
what would you say the fair thing to do under this circumstance would be? So maybe that's what, that's what Rav Asi is, is saying. Rav Asi is saying is that even after they divided, the bottom line is they both are responsible for the father's debt. And since they both are responsible for the father's debt, even though the one took cash and the other one took land, the one who took the cash is responsible to make restitution to the one who took the land. Now, how could that restitution be paid back? He could either pay back in terms of land, let's say they could reallocate the division, or if they agree, if he, if he agrees, what he could do is pay him back in cash. One or the other. He can pay him back in land, he can pay him back in cash. That's the din that Rav Asi is coming to tell us. It's nothing to do with Meitav. He's not saying Rav Huna's din. He's not saying, a, he's saying a new halacha. He's talking about it's a, it's a completely separate halacha. So Gemara says like this. So says the Gemara, Elo says the Gemara, Shnei Achen Shecholku, Venotol Echad Karkav Echad Ksafim. One took the land, the other took the money. Uva Baal Chayv, and the father's creditor shows up. He's got a star, a deed that the father owed him $5,000. Venotal Karko. And he collected the land from the brother that took the land. To Azal Haiv, a shakil palga b'ksafim bahadei. And the, uh, the other brother who, the one who took the land, so the gates of made of like the, the Balchal took all the land. The Balchov took all the land that the legal right is that what? That he can go there. You have to give me half of the money that was divided. So Moses says that's Pshita. The Moses feels at this point that that could not have been the, the, the idea that was being uh, articulated by Ravasi because that would be seem to be Pushit. Right? So high bro, high la bro. Only one's considered a brother that's liable for the father's debt. The other one's not a brother. They both should be equally liable. So if that's true, then then, then there's no Jamaica, Jamaica, they, they, you don't need this halacha to be taught because they seem to be posh. It's very interesting, and this is something the Achronim asks. The Moran says, Ika da Amri. The Moran says, some states it's actually the opposite rule would be true. The exact opposite we'll see in a moment. So it's very hard to hear why the Moran says it's Pshita, and then it says an Ika da Amri that says the halacha is exactly the opposite. What's the Ika da Amri? The Ika da Amri says, Le Adarab, on the contrary, Le Idach Gisa is that it's actually the halacha is the opposite. The, the, the brother that took the cash has a, a right to say, I don't have to pay that, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the creditor. Why? He says like this, we agree to split. Now splitting, you taking land and I'm taking money, each one takes their own risk and responsibility. I took cash. Cash is much harder to safeguard. Let's say my house would be broken in the night after I took the $10,000 of cash and a thief came and stole that money, right? Is there a half a minute I can go back to you and say, give me half your land? Right. What's that? That's a new occurrence. That's bottom line. You can't say, you can't tell me I owe you half the land. That's the risk I incur by taking land. The risk that, therefore, so therefore you took the safe way out. You took the land. Land, the real estate, the safe way. But that has its own risks. What's the risk? That you're open to creditors. So therefore, the bottom line is, it's exactly the opposite, is that uh, you don't have... You don't have a right to come back and claim. So what they want to saying, it can't be what Rav Asi was saying, because that wouldn't be the halacha. The halacha is, it's not that you can go back and take the, take the money. 
that the one who took the money can say I took that's what I took the money I took the money with the money's risks what are the money's risks if it gets stolen I don't come to you and get paid back from your land and you took the risks of taking the land that if it gets taken or seized away from you that you can't come back and claim from the money that I took me noy from me. So therefore, the bottom line, the bottom, you can't take anything from me. So bottom line is, we still haven't figured out what exactly Ravasi was saying when he said either either kesef or karka. So much as Ella says in it must be Ravasi talking about a different case. What about Shnei Achin Shecholku? All right, and they both divided land. There was twenty thousand dollars worth of karka, and each brother took ten thousand dollars worth of land. Now the Balchov shows up, and he has a lien on all twenty thousand dollars worth of property, but he decides to go after one of the brothers out of the two. He says, I'm going to take my $10,000 deed from you. So when says, that's what Ravasi is saying. Even though they divided already, there's no question if they collected the, the, the credit shot up before they divided, then obviously they share the, the liability here. But let's say they divided already. Ravasi's point is that if they divided already, they also share the liability. And the brother that was collected from has the right to say, listen, either pay me or give me half the land. And the Baal Chov came and took uh, the land of one of theirs, right? And therefore, that's in that case, the, 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 that's where he says, either, you know, either pay me or give me land. Now we're going to see that Rabasi already has addressed that in another case. Now, if Ravasi already addressed it, it's hard to hear that when they recorded the Gemara, they would record this again, if that's exactly what he addressed somewhere else. We generally, we don't expect that uh, the same halacha by the Amora to be recorded twice. So what the Gemara is going to say, can't be what Ravasi was referring to, O Kesev is this particular case, because Ravasi has already addressed that in, in another scenario. Now, it's going to be a three-way machlokus. Let me tell you outside what the three-way machlokus is going to be. We actually had this before. There is a machlokus. Let's start with the two sheets. The main litigants over here is going to be Rav and Shmuel. Everybody agrees that before the assets are divided, so they have joint liability on the assets, meaning that if a Baal shows up and collects $10,000 out of the $20,000 worth of assets, they're now going to share each one in the liability and they'll divide the remaining 10000 in half. The question really is like this. Let's say no Baal showed up and there's $20,000 of assets that are intact. How do we view the division? Now they divided. Each one took $10,000 worth of land. How do we view it? Do we, view, do we view the division of the assets is that really they're Yarshim. They, each one, 
they just, it's the way we decided to allocate the Yerusha is in this, this is what we thought the best way to allocate the Yerusha. But in terms of their possession of it, it's still, they all, they're, they're considered like Yarshin. They're still inheritors of this. And if something happens that shows that the allocation was not done correctly, then you've got to go back and reverse it. We made a mistake in where we allocated. We have to do it again. And therefore, under that circumstance, if a Baal came and took from one of them, then clearly the way we distributed the assets of the Yerusha was not done appropriately, because it's not fair that one should be collected from and not the other. We would have to go back and redistribute and divide it up again. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is once they divide it, they're no longer yours. It's like a purchase. I'm purchasing from you and you're purchasing from me. That means your right, your claims on what I'm getting have been relinquished when I take the part that I'm taking. And my rights to what you're getting are being relinquished when you get what you're getting. And it's like a sale without a chryas, without liability. Now if you look at it that way, then what happens? Then at that point, that where the Baal the Chov shows up, tough luck. Whatever, hey, you relinquished your rights, I relinquished my rights. Whichever one he hits, too bad on the one he hits. And then there'll be no recourse under that circumstance. Okay? So that's going to see. Let's read it inside. So it says the Gemara like this. You, how can you say that what Rav Asi said? Oh, Kesef, oh, uh, Karka. He's referring to the case where two brothers divided up. And then what happened was the Baal came to one of them because Ha'amra Rav Asi Chadazim Rav Asi addressed that already one time. The Itmar was stated. Ha'achim Shecholku Brothers that divided. Uva Baal and Natal Chelko Shal Echad and the Baal came. And he took the portion of one of them. Echad men. Rav Amar Botlo Machlokas The division is annulled. We annul the division. And what do you have to do? You have to go back and reallocate the assets another time. Shmuel Amar Viter. Shmuel says no, that the division of the assets is a relinquishment. What does it mean that the, 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 the meaning that each one gives, gives up his rights and claim on what the other one had and therefore what's done is done. Rav Asi Amar, Rav Asi now, this Rashi brings down two Pshatim in Rav Asi. I'm going to go with one, just make it easier. Rav Asi is He's not sure. Do we say like Rav, and therefore the guy has the right to collect back the full amount? That, uh, the twi- uh, he can take back $5,000, meaning of the 10 that he lost, he can get everything, that means 50% of it he has a right to get back. Or, or because it's Yarshim, or does your whole like Shmuel that holds uh, that it's Lekuchot and they would get nothing. So we have it's either 50% or it's zero. Mamana Mutl Besafik, when you have a Suffolk over money, so what do we say sometimes? Tolkien, divide it. Mamana Mutl Besafik, divide. And therefore, if Asi holds, you have a right to a quarter. To a quarter of the amount. That mean, And the quarter could be either paid out in what? In Kes, Kesef, or in Karka. Now, that's what Ravasi would hold. Kesef or Karka, that's a scenario. It means he already gave us that ruling. If he already gave us that ruling in this recorded Machlokas, then the earlier when he said, Oh, Kesef or Karka, cannot be referring to this particular scenario. Okay, let's read inside. Ravasi Amar Notel Revia Bekarka gets either quarter of the land. Rashi learns the V means all. 
or Revi'ah B'Maz, or I could choose a quarter of the money, either a quarter of the land or a quarter of the money, one or the other. Rav Amar, now the Gemara has explained the reasons. Rav Amar, bit is that you negate this, the transaction, the division, and it goes back and it's reassigned again, because even after they divide, they're still considered Yarshim, and if something shows that the Yerusha was not divided correctly, you've got to go do it again. Shmuel Amar Viter that no, once they divide, what's done is done, because Kasavra Achim Shechol it's considered to be like a purchase. Each one is purchasing the rights from and relinquishing his own rights. And it's like without uh, being without insurance, you can't go back and make a claim anymore. Ravasi Yamar Notel either Revi'a Vekarko or Revi'a Vemos one or the other because Masav Kalei because he's in doubt Ika Yarshim Dami Ika Luchos Dami and therefore since it's Momen Amutul Vesafek it's money that's in doubt Hilkach Notel Revi'a Vekarko Revi'a Vemos 25% you can recoup okay so we're back to the question so Elamai Harenka Karka what did Rav Asi say that Kesar Harenka Karka going back we're going back to the original assumption that he's going back to the din that means that the Mazik uh, can pay either with Kesar or Karka what was the problem with saying that so Iachi Haina de Ravuna then he's saying the same thing as Ravuna so Ema so when it says the way you have to correct it don't say Amar of Asi it should be Vechein Amar of Asi Vechein Amar of Asi and that way you've taken care of the problem alright Amar of Zeira Amar Ravuna because we brought Ravuna before this seems to have nothing to do with what we said before but once we mentioned Ravuna we mentioned another Alokha the mitzvah ad shlish. The amount of money you have to spend on a mitzvah is a third. What does it mean a third? What is that referred to? So, if it's like you want to go buy yourself an esrog, you want to go buy yourself a Sefer Torah, you have to spend a third of your entire assets. Is that what it's referring to? The one says, that makes no sense. Based on that, if you have three mitzvahs at the same time, that means what? You're going to have to give up everything you own. Tyson says that really that's not everything you own because each one is a third of whatever's left. Right. So it's a little lot. It's still a lot. It still makes no sense. You understand. Can't be that we're expecting you to give up a third, a third, a third of your entire assets. So that can't be what it means. So says, what you're gonna give up your entire house. Is that possible? So Shlish What it means is like this. If you have an option of buying two Esrogim, you have an option of buying two Sifrei Torah, and one is much more beautiful than the other, how much more do you have to spend on the one over the other for the mitzvah of the Hidur, for the beauty? He said you spend, it should not, you, you don't spend more than a third of the expense of the actual item, meaning over when you compare the two, it shouldn't be a th- uh, uh, up to a third more. I could get it a third cheaper. We'll see exactly what a third means. A shlish more, that's okay to spend. A shlish more for the hidur, right? So Gemara says, Bayravashi, what do you mean by a third? Shlish milgava, shlish milbar. There's two ways to calculate when we use the expressions like a shlish. Or so a shlish could be like this. Rashi explains as follows. Rajit says, one way of understanding a shlish is a shlish milgav. A shlish milgav means as follows. Let's say the item itself was six zuz. The item was six zuz. 
So a shlish would be two. two. Meaning the total amount you should spend is you have one option is six zoos, the other one is eight zoos. You should spend on the one that's eight zoos. That means you've uh, you spent a shlish more. That's called it's a shlish of uh, internal, an internal shlish, right? Which at the end comes out a quarter of the total amount, right? Oh, shlish milbar. Shlish milbar actually is a lot more. Because shlish milbar means is that you actually, it's, it's a third of the total amount. Means it's half. It's half, meaning that, that it's uh, the six zoos, you spend up to three times, three zoos more. So it means there'll be a total of nine zoos. That's a shlish of the total amount, which was half of the internal amount. Right? So he says, which one does it mean? So when it says take uh, unresolved, we don't have an answer for that. That's a good question we don't have. But my Rava in Eretz Yisrael, they explained <laughs> as follows. Now listen to what they said in Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, they said, if you spend on a mitzvah up to shlish, however you define shlish, that's going to come out of the money that was allocated to you for that year, whatever they, they, that's going to come out of your pocket of your allocation. And you'll get rewarded. Where will you get reward for that? In Shemayim. Anything you spend more than a shlish, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will repay you in this world. Means ad shlish is, you're not getting that money back. That's coming back in all the, anything above the shlish, it's not that you shouldn't do it. Anything about it, don't worry. HaKadosh Baruch will make sure that you get that money back. That's, that's how they learned in Eretz Yisrael. Mitzvah. The, 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 spending on the mitzvah. It's the hidr for the mitzvah. Someone says like this. Right. Anytime you can be out to the mitzvah with less than anything is spending more is for the hidr. Right. So says the Gemara like this. Marava uh, Amri, they said, and all they said, Mishmeida Rabbi Zeir, in the name of Rabbi Zeir, Ad Shlish Mishaloi. Up to a Shlish expenditure, that's coming out of your own allocations. Mikan Ve'elach, anything more than that, that's already Mishal Kodesh Baruch, that's coming out of his pocket, that's not coming out of your pocket. Meaning, he's going to make sure that you get that money back. Alright. Let's see the next Mishnah. Zog the Heilige Mishnah. Anything that I am liable for the safeguarding of it. Anything that I'm responsible to safeguard. nisko. If, if I did not safeguard it, it's one of, one of the shots in Rashi, if I did not safeguard it, and it damaged, it's as if I facilitated the damage. It means as if I caused the damage to happen if I did not safeguard it. nisko. And even if all I facilitated was only part of the damage, I wasn't completely responsible. The more is going to have to talk about what that case is. But even if I didn't come, I wasn't completely responsible, only partially responsible, I'm still obligated in the payments of the damage, as if I facilitated the entire damage. Okay, these are also the cases that are going to be discussed. When am I obligated to pay? If the damages, the assets involved, something where there's no me'ila. Me'ila is misappropriation of hegdish, meaning something that's hegdish has me'ila. Something that's not hegdish has no me'ila. So this is what we learned before, that by Karen it says, Shore'eyu. That you only chayev when it's a re'eyu v'loshel hegdish. That's Chachamim's opinion. So that's what the Mishnah is saying over here. That the only time you chayev is an item that's not hegdish. An item that there's no me'ila. And also, it has to be in a chazim shem bnei bris. You're only chayev if it is, belongs to a yid. 
But if it belongs to an Ovid Kuchavim, there is no liability. This is one of the, uh, on every anti-Semitic website, they would quote this Gemara over here. So therefore, that, that there is the Chosim that belong to an Eino Yehudi, or an Ovid Kuchavim, the Meiri is very PC. He says it's only talking about the Ovid Kuchavim back then, because back then they didn't care about assets, they didn't care. But nowadays, we're upstanding in, in his generation, it's already 15th century, 16th century, 15th century, is of course, you can't, you have, there's, there's a dinner to Machus and you have to follow the rules, whatever. Okay, so he says, but nechazim shehein shel bnei bris, but if they are, only when they belong to a yid. And also, it has to be nechazim yuchadim. The Gemara right now is going to suggest, nechazim yuchadim means it can't be hefker. The Gemara says, Pasha can't be, you know, how can it be, who are you going to pay if it, belong, if it belong, doesn't belong to someone? But he only chai when it's yuchadim, when it's owned, when it's privately owned assets. And even when you are liable, it's at any place where the damages occurs, except if it's a case of trespassing. If the area that the damage occurred was within the domain of the mazik, right, then the mazik is going to be exempt. If the nest the nest animal goes into the house of the mazik and then the, the mazik's dog bites the animal, there wouldn't be chayv. It only as if it's not. It can't be in the domain of the mazik. We're going to discuss all of these things in the Gemara. And Rishusan Nizak Vahamazik. Exactly how to read Rishusan Nizak means if it's jointly owned property. Jointly owned property, what? Does that mean it's Potter? The one is not clear what about jointly owned property. The one is going to have to discuss that. And Keshachav Shehizik, when there is damage, Chava Mazik Lishalom Tashlumay Nezak Mektav Aritz. When the damage occurs, you have to pay from the best of your properties. Rashi learns us the way Shmuel learned it on, on, on when was it Dabdalad that this is, this is coming to tell you Lerabos Karen. Remember we had the Arba Avos Nazikin and what does this thing, they said the second this line the second mission what's it come to be Marba? So he said it's coming to tell me the case of Karen. All right, that's uh, but that, that that's what we had earlier we had uh, earlier in in, in the in the uh, in the Gemara. Okay. Tan Rabbonin. The bride says a corollary to our Mishnah. The bride says again, if I am liable for safeguarding, and I did not safeguard it, then it's as if I facilitated the damage. Kate said, what's an example of something that I'm safe, I have responsible for safeguarding. If I didn't safeguard it, I'm responsible for what happens. Kate said, if you have an ox or you had a pit, right, that was, that you dug, um, or you uncovered that you gave it to someone of diminished capacity either to a cheresh who's a mute or a shota who's an imbecile or a cotton who's a minor people that are not legally responsible and now they, these items the shore and the bore caused damage to a third party Chayev l'shalem. Then you are responsible to pay because you were the one responsible for safeguarding and therefore it's as if you facilitated the damage uh, for happening. Masha. What kind of shomer is this talking about? It's not a shomer, it's a shaita. It's not a real shomer. He's a shaita. The guy was a shaita. You gave it to someone that wasn't able to safeguard. But he, what am I? I'm the owner. It's my ox. I'm the owner. I dug the pit. And then I got the shaita to come watch it. Alright. Masha ain't came be'esh. Continues the b'risa. But it's not the same case by fire. 
By fire, you would not be liable. Now, the Gemara is going to spend the next few lines. What, what is the scenario that you would be chayev by shor and bor, but if you gave the H to a cherashoy to the cotton, you would not. The Gemara is going to want to understand how there's a difference. But Maya Skinner, what are we dealing with over here? Now, Elam of a shor kosher, that's a shor, you gave a tied up ox. I mean, you gave it to a cherashoy to a cotton, but you gave it in a state of shmiro. You gave it, it was tied up. Ubar mechusa, or you gave the bar to the cherishoy to a cotton, and the bar was covered. The kavasa gabeish. What would be the corollary? What would be the similar scenario if you compare it to the case of eish? We want to make them all equal. It only makes sense if all the cases are within the same uh, category. So gabeish would be that's not yet a burning fire. You only gave him a gacheles. A gacheles is a coal. You gave him the coal. You have to blow on it. You have to do something to make. But right now, it's not really in a damaging form. So the chora still the one says. So why should there be a difference? Why should it be that if you gave him a safeguard, the ox is tied up, the bar is covered. There you're still going to be chayev. And if you gave him the bagacheles, there you're not. Why would there be a difference? So ma'ishnaacha, ma'ishnaacha. What's the difference between the two cases? Ella. So it must be the cases like this. The shor is mutar. Mutar means it's un- untied. It's not tied up. And the, and, and, and the bar megula, and the bar you gave was uncovered. The kavasagabesh. Now, what would be the corollary, the similar case by fire? That it's no longer a coal, but what is it? It's shaleves. It is a actual flame. You gave him a flame, a torch. So then, Masha Enkain Be'esh, the potter. Why would we say then by Esh is potter? You've given him something that can, that can, you can actually uh, uh, do real damage right now. So says the Gemara So why would it be Mash Engen Be'esh Potter? For Ha'am Reish Lokish, we know that Reish Lokish, we're going to see Machlok Reish Lokish, but even Reish Lokish, who's the lenient opinion holds, Mishmei the Chizkiah, saying the name of Chizkiah, Lo Shona Elishamasul Gachelis, the only time you can exempt the owner is if you gave the Cherishai to a cotton a Gachelis, a coal. But everybody agrees that if you gave him a torch, you gave him a flame, then what's the din? You're going to be chayev. So again, you gave him a gecheles, velibo. Libo means he blew on it. He blew on it, right? And so therefore, he made it into a flame. But you never gave it to him as a flame. So therefore, that you, that's when you're potter. Aval shall have it. But if you gave him an actual flame, then everyone says you're going to be chayev. So therefore, why? My time was the reason. The habari hazeka. Because it is a clear-cut damage. You're giving him something that the nezek is clear. When you're giving a fire, a flame, it's bari hazeka. It's predisposed for damage. When? So we're back to our question. What is going to be the scenario that by shor and bor, you're going to be chayev, and by you're going to be potter? If it's tied up by shor and bor, which is going to be similar to the case where it's agacheles, so then all those cases we should say, lechorah, you should be Potter. And if you're telling me, no, that the shor and bor yachayev, because it wasn't tied up, and the bor was uncovered, so what would be the equivalent case by the ash? It was lit. It's a, it's a flame. So if a flame, everyone should hold that you are chayev. Why are you potter in that case? Why shouldn't it be the non-lit, the kolo? Because then what would be opposite, the, 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 what would be the similar case by the a non it would, be, it would be tied. It would be a tied shor. Mm-hmm. An unlit, uh, a, 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 just a coal would be similar to a tied shore and a, and, and a covered bar. So why is it like this? So the Aylam says the Gemara, no. We're talking about over here that's a shore kosher and a bar mechusa. The, the, the shore is tied up and the bar is covered. And the kavasa gabe eish and the similar case by eish is taka egachelis. 
is a kol. So you're going to ask me, l'chor amart ma'ishnahacha ma'ishnahacha. And you're going to ask me, l'chor, what's the difference between the, the, the between the the, the the rulings? Why, if it's a tied up shore which is guarded, and it's a and it's a covered bar which is guarded, and you put a shcherashoyt of a cotton in charge of it, as opposed to when you gave him a gachelis, so why there are you chayiv? And here, in all cases, l'chor, it wasn't bari hazeka. There wasn't imminent damage. So why should be chayiv in two of the cases and potter in one? So I'll tell you the difference is because the natural state of a tide of shore is that it's going to get loose. A shore will work to get loose. A covered bore, the natural state of a covered bore, the covering, you put a cover in Shusarabim, what will happen eventually to that cover? The cover will come off. So therefore, it might not be right now damaged, but it's predisposed to damage. A coal. If you leave a coal alone, what's going to happen with the coal? It's going to burn out. So therefore, when you gave him a a a a, 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 what's it called? It the gacheles. The gacheles was omed to go out. But when you gave him a tide up shore, you gave him a. It was something that was omed to have the head. That's why you're chayav in the case of shore and bar, and that's why you're potter in the case of the gachel. That's more answers. So Moses says like the shore darkelin tuke the derech of it, even a tide up shore by by nature it will get loose. And bar and a covered bar eventually is darkelin tuke will become uncovered. But gacheles. As long as you leave it alone, it will go out. The expectations of a kacheles that it's going to cause hezek is much less than the expectations of the other two. And that's why you're chayev in the other two and you're potter in the case of the kacheles. Now, says that only works the way we explain according to a shlokish. But Rabbi Yochanan held that even in the case of a, uh, that, uh, that he says, even a shalhevis, he actually took the other way. He says, even if you gave a flame to a cheresh, your potter. So then we're back to our question. How do you understand? You gave a lit flame to a cheresh, to a cotton. How could you be potter? Well, Rabbi Yochanan, the Amr, Afila, Masalo, Shalhevis, Nami, potter. So the Kavase, therefore, he would have to understand the corollary in the Mishnah is if you gave a flame, your potter. And if you gave a shore, an untied shore, and you, uh, right, the Kavase, Achab, a shore, mutar, bar, magula. So, Mashnacha, Mashnacha, how does he make a distinction? Why would you be potter by a lit flame and yet be chayav by a bar and a shore that is either untied or uncovered? So he says the difference is like this. Let me explain the difference outside. If you gave a bar or a shore, to a uh, a cherishot of a cotton. How does the damage happen? What has to happen? Does the does the cherish do anything? Does he have to do anything for the damage to happen? No. no. The animal will just run off on its own or somebody will fall into the bore. It requires no activity or nothing on behalf of the cherish. However, even if you gave him a lit torch, in order for the damage to happen, what has to happen? He has to take it and touch it against something. He has to do something. So Rabbi Yochanan held, even though, listen, you're not the biggest tzaddik, and in Shemayim, it could be Yerubi Chayim in Shemayim, but in Beisdin, the argument's going to be is it still required him to do it. And therefore, it requires him to do it. That's an argument that is, you, you didn't do the right thing, but we cannot hold you completely liable for your actions. That's what Rabbi Yochanan holds. Whereas in the case of the Bora and the Shor, I don't require... The cherish to do anything. It does, so therefore the damages are directly attributed to my act. You hear the difference? It's a passive. It's, 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 it's indirect, really. Right. If you have it this way, it doesn't matter, then who you keep in 
Right? In terms of, of, of legally, morally, ethically, yes, it makes a difference, but not in terms of liability wise. The Chorah. Right. So why is it like this? So Maishnahacha or Maishnaha. So meaning in the case of the fire you're talking about. No, not in the case of Shor and Bor. In case of Shor and Bor, you are high if you left an incompetent person because consider like you're directly responsible. You just said that they didn't do anything. In the case of, and that, no, the show that, the Kharish didn't do anything, therefore the owner is responsible. No, if you leave a person competent, the expectation is that they're supposed to be doing something. Right. Says the Gemara like this. So says the Gemara, Hasam Tsafsa the Kharish Kagarim. Tsafsa, it's the grasp. It's the grasp of the Kharish that's causing the fire to happen. Hacha, but in the case of the shor and the bor, load stops at the cheres kagarim. The, 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 the hand of the cheres is not causing anything to happen. Who's causing it to happen? It's directly attributed to you because it's not. We don't need the cheres' intervention to facilitate the damage. So where it's only going to happen with the cheres' intervention, that removes the liability from the owner. But if the cheres' is, is not no intervention, the damage happens without the cheres' intervention. Rabbi Yochanan holds that talk, and that's when you're going to be chayiv. Okay, we'll stop here, gentlemen. Mamish.